Welcome to Coffee Calm and Connection Bite Size, where we deliver key takeaways from our full interviews on current topics from mental health experts. Good afternoon, Debbie. I am so excited about this podcast uh, and I'm really grateful to have you here. So welcome to Coffee Calm and Connections podcast. Well, thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here and equally as excited. Uh, we had a great conversation yesterday and, I, and I, I do this all the time. I always think I should record the pre-podcast conversations because we yeah. get <laughs> so into detail. So as nobody misses out on the wonderfulness that is you, I wonder if you can give us a little bit of um, background into who Debbie is, possibly who Dolly is and how the two uh, have come to know each other. Okay, if I go on and on now, that just shut me up now, because I, I do tend to, I never, I never do it in little bits. Um, yeah, so uh, I was always in the bar um, uh, business, etc. And um, when I was younger, I always wanted to be an actress, but I never did anything about it. Um, but in my 30s, before I had my youngest son, I actually did a degree in film history. I don't think I told you about that yesterday, actually. And um, I done a degree, loved it. But then obviously businesses came up and home life came up and things like that and sort of like was put to the side. Um, cut a very long story short, basically uh, EastEnders rang us up to put a um, beer tap in their actual studio in the nightclub. And it just sort of like sparked all these dreams and ambitions off again. And um, I got so excited, uh, I actually went and had my hair done, I bought a new jumper. And I talk about this in the show actually. <laughs> And my husband couldn't believe it that I was actually even being that helpful and going along with him to the BBC studios. And I really thought, yeah, you're going to get picked out <laughs> like Lady Gaga or whatever. <laughs> Obviously, I, I didn't. I didn't get picked out. Um, and the next day I saw, which was really spooky, I was at Lakeside uh, Shopping Centre and I saw Heather and Shirley, one of the two main characters. I thought, right, this is a sign. I've got to go and do it. I'm going to go and do some acting classes or etc. So I did. Um... And then uh, someone said to me, you should try comedy. And I thought, there is no way on this planet I would ever do stand-up. You know, even now I find it terrifying to think, what are you doing? Um, but I did it. I joined a funny women uh, workshop. And there was always this character in the back of my head, um, like a pub landlady, I suppose, that would be would meet the banter head-on. Would actually even create, especially like sexual innuendos and that kind of thing. Because I am a shocking prude, really. And my, my mates can't believe it, uh, like what prude <laughs> I am. And um, so, so what I ended up doing, Dolly was sort of born in this workshop I did with Honey Women. And it was just a way of expressing myself, I guess. But a little, quick fast forward, I did a bit of a, a few gigs and things like that. And thought like, you know, what am I doing again? I'm doing these all these gigs. And um, I did write a show called her, um, what was it called? Red Hat No Knickers, which got received really well. And I think I said to you yesterday, I've got to go back to that. But then the menopause was sort of kicking in. And I had taken a break from bars. I'd always wanted to teach. And I ended up teaching business Civic to uh, 16 to 18 year olds. Uh, business, uh, BTEC, sorry, at Civic. And I absolutely loved it. I loved the teaching, loved being with the students. But my menopause was getting in the way. It was like brain fog. And I had no knowledge of menopause whatsoever. I, I didn't know anything about it. And it was such a shock to my system that I couldn't do the things I wanted to do. So I decided to write a show about it. Ended up working with Leicester University. Um, they uh, helped with funding for the first time I wrote the show and set up a, a blog and a website for it. Um, I performed at Leicester Comedy Festival. And it was fascinating because even the men were like linking, sitting forward 
they wanted to know what was going on and because we, we think as women oh, we're on our own it's all about us but it was actually if you think of all the people that got partners and they don't even know what their partner's going through and, and no one wants to get to that stage of their life you, you're excited you, you know you, the kids are getting off hand you want to get things done and all of a sudden you're like wow what has happened to my head so um basically did the show and the last show I did before lockdown was at uh, Unison head office. And that was like a right wow moment. I was really proud, even though the sound went off and um, my, my narration went skewed, it still got really well received. So, and now I'm going to be performing at the Cliffs um, in July, which is really exciting. Do you know what, Debbie? What an absolute whirlwind of an, of an experience. <laughs> like, whirlwind and I want to come on to talk to you about uh, menopause um, and uh, brain fog and her and the change in me which I'm really looking forward to uh, at the pavilion at the end of July uh, and we'll give details of that in a moment what I'd quite like to go back to is so you start let's let's go let's go right back so Debbie is by your uh, your um, testimony approved. Dolly is Debbie's alter ego, Debbie's oh, yeah. kind of inner person, uh, yes. and able to meet that that banter and, and uh, innuendo and things that I presume you get in the, the, the bar scene quite a lot. Cat uh, Slater, if you will. Um, so, so Dolly's your alter ego. That's incredible. Yeah. That, how did that feel when you, you kind of met Dolly and Dolly became sort of a separate how how did that feel oh i hated her i absolutely hated her i thought what am i doing and i couldn't understand and my sister would say because she could be really brash and crude and you know but actually a lot of people say when they see me perform with Dolly now they say well you could be cruder but it must be a bit of debbie coming back in so rein it in a bit and um yeah i used to i used to hate it i used to what am i doing and then i'd write a bit of script show my sister and she said, where is this coming from? I said, I don't know. She, yeah, but it's in your head. It's in your head to talk about it. So initially, it was because the, the funny thing was, she sort of set me up to actually um, go on this journey, if you like. So, and the more I did it, the more I was getting a buzz out of it and the adrenaline was kicking in. And I was thinking, well, wait in a second, now I've achieved something here. You know, it didn't matter how big the gig was. And then... Um, Telling you now, I've never, I've done a degree, I've done, you know, worked with young people, done bars, but I've never learned more about myself when I'm doing stand-up or any sort of performing, because it's, you, you push your boundaries. Do you know, I'm really fascinated by this, okay? Uh, slight tangent, but hopefully I'll veer back on to Dolly. Um, I read a book recently, and, um, and I talk about this in every podcast. I really need to read some new books. Um, but this particular book, um, Mo Gaudat, CBO of Google X, talks about uh, the inner voice, right? Um, so your inner voice that talks to you that sometimes isn't very nice, sometimes is nice, sometimes overly critical, etc., your inner voice, and he talks about the inner voice as a separate being to who you are. And he talks about the brain as just being the thinking organ, whereas the liver might be the whatever organ and the, the uterus might be the whatever organ. So what, what he says is that the job of all of your organs is to provide you with information and you choose what you want to take from it. And he's making quite a big point that your inner voice is not you. It's not your thoughts. It's not the truth. It's not this, that, or the other. Second point to make is, 
they often say, I've read it hundreds of times in loads of different um, contexts, the things you often dislike about somebody else are, are mirror images mm. of things about yourself you dislike. So you take these two concepts and I am so um, in awe of what you've done with that because you've taken a very um, sort of hidden part of you um, who you initially really disliked and you've brought her out for everybody to see in a really fun and entertaining uh, way through which you've challenged yourself and your own perception of yourself. That's incredible. If, th if that's not a self journey, <laughs> I don't know what is. <laughs> I'm trying to think what my, my alter ego would be called. And, and I don't think it would be as fun as Dolly. Yeah, but I think she'd be really quite boring. No, but I think, and it's so funny because um, I've got a director now, which I keep telling people, I'm very excited that I've got a director. <laughs> and Chris Head, by the way. And um, Chris and I had this conversation because initially, when I first did the show at Leicester University, the idea was that people did adopt um, alter egos and create that kind of persona that would help them do the job that they would normally go, no, 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 I don't think I could do that. Um, if only I could be a bit more like this. Well, we can do it, can't we? Like we were saying yesterday, you know, I was, I was a great believer in fake it to make it to a certain extent, is that because it gives you that confidence and a vehicle to travel on, and like you just said, I do believe, I, I agree with what you, uh, what you were talking about there about this guy, the book he's wrote, um, because when you think about it, we're just like social images of what we've actually become um, through our upbringings or through our experiences. But if we'd had a different experience, a different social upbringing, etc., we'd probably be different people. But we can recognise different people. So why not adopt being a different person if it gets you what you need or you desire or, you know, obviously, if it, you know, as long as it's for the good of all and not, you know, purely, purely. Mm. But then again, you know, even things that are selfish, sometimes they do come from that spot, don't they? Because otherwise you'd never do it. Mm. I think that's what um, I find <clears throat> fascinating watching my children at different ages is that they're, all of them are still trying on different personas and seeing how they work. And sometimes I wish they'd, quickly shift over one persona because it's just difficult <laughs> but it, but that's what they're learning isn't it and it, I suppose it's almost the reaction you get to that persona as to whether or not you fall in love with it or not so one of one of my kind of hang-ups if you will is um it's always been a joke I think it's a joke uh, of Princess Sarah oh. uh, and I don't mean princess <laughs> in terms of you know girly Sarah princess princess Sarah decides what princess Sarah wants and princess Sarah goes and gets it and she's very logical and she goes well I don't understand why I can't have that I should be able to have that because this is what I'm going to do and I'll put the work in but you know that kind yeah. of um almost I, I, I want to say arrogance not that I think I'm arrogant but as a child that sort of um well, no, I've made this decision. I'm going here to do this and you're trying to stop me. Why? That type of idea. So I've grown up always, you know, oh, Sarah, your hard work, Sarah, this, Sarah, that. Not, not from, you know, family, although from family, but from friends, just general persona. So I've got a bit of a hang up about that. And sometimes I wonder if Princess Sarah should just be, we should just get her out and she should just go for it. And sometimes I wonder how much she already is out. You, you have all of these conversations about the different parts of yourself. And it's so fascinating. And I love that you have been able to articulate, name and characterize something 
yeah within yeah. you i mean really it's like you just saying that about princess sarah i mean what struck me then as you were saying that what i wonder what it'd be like with being prince simon you know the man had done that because like you said as you got older you decided i mean and not that you know i'm not gonna go on this raving feminist rant or anything but <laughs> it is it is social elements around you isn't it that you think well no i don't think you can really go for that but if you know there's a lot of times that it's how we're educated in a way that we're actually going to drive ourselves forward you know and, and that is changing i think you know women are expected now to they're, they're being motivated by each other basically right if you want to get something go and get it there's nothing wrong with that you know it won't i think work. so I yeah. think where we've come in the last 50 years is incredible in terms of, you know, um, equality. And, 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 and again, I mean, feminism is so wide and there are so many different tranches and there's some really quite extreme versions. And, uh, and, and I'm, you know, whether or not one buys into that kind of stuff, you, you can't argue that we've come quite a, a, yeah, a long yeah. way. But and this brings us to what you're doing now. I, one area that perhaps um, we haven't, um, and I don't mean we as in the big bad man hasn't, you know, helped. I don't mean that at all. I just mean in terms of understanding, scientific understanding, um, mental health understanding. One area that I don't think we've developed, um, or there's a lot more development we can do, and which I think you're going to be pivotal in uh, globally, to be honest, is around this hormonal changes in a, in a woman's life. Um, I, I, was, I was talking to my uh, dad the other day and I said to him, sometimes, um, you know, it might be time of the month for me and, and, and I can struggle quite badly. And my own analysis of that is, come on, Sarah, just crack on, you know, you're being an idiot. But actually the physiological impact and the physical impact and the emotional impact of a couple of days a month for me are absolutely blindingly horrific. Mm. And my husband knows it's coming before I do because there's obviously telltale signs. Now, you could go, oh, stop being so hormonal. And that, for me, is, 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 is where we could learn more because being hormonal is not a choice. Uh, it's a, it's a yeah. you know, yeah. sometimes potentially quite a difficult situation. So what I'm interested in is you mentioned earlier, you started teaching and you were like, what is going on in my brain? What was going on in your brain? What, what, what did you feel? What, what was happening? And how did it impact you, your children, your partner, people around you? Well, to, in, in a short answer, nothing, <laughs> because it just went to absolute mush. It was like... <laughs> It was like someone had turned the lights off, and, and I'm quite, I'm quite a, uh, I feel, oh my god, I'm teaching here, and uh, <laughs> to the students, you know, you know, like you put, your, I'm like a nutty professor. It was like I have, uh, I have the glasses on my head, and I go with my glasses, and someone moved my glasses, and it going on your head. So it was like that was a sort of. Luckily, we had a lot of banter, but they did learn a lot as well because I was very passionate about it. But I, I think it was. Um, it was a struggle. I, I was having difficulty sleeping. I couldn't, um, I've, I've always, it was almost as if, you know, like you get that instinct, that sixth sense that you have. And uh, I'll tell you what, like, you know, you get driving a car and you're, you know, you've started that journey. And a bit of that journey, you've sort of blacked out a little bit. You haven't, you haven't got to sleep, but your body, there's an autopilot in you, it took over and you just got there. That's exactly what wasn't happening. The autopilot had switched off. And everything was, whoa, hang on a second. And young women don't know about this, Sarah. They, they really don't. It's 
it wasn't taught. It's only now um, there's a fantastic campaign called uh, Make Menopause Matter. Um, and it's only now that they're considering, or they are doing it, teaching in secondary school as part of sexual education, what menopause does to a woman. And it's, it is a massive, wow. yeah, it's huge, it's huge. So it's exciting because, I mean, it was debated in Parliament. They've had two debates apparently since, I think, God knows when, uh, with menopause and education and just the general well-being of women and in the workplace. I mean, we talk, I talked about this in the show a bit, really. It's, it's when you consider about the amount of women that are actually in work now, 50 plus, we're retiring later, we're living longer. It's a big workforce, massive workforce. And where I worked with um, Leicester University, there was a lot of reports there. And one of it was, I don't know who wrote it, it was a really good quote. And they said, if we're not dealing with this, there'll be a tsunami of HR issues coming through. Because once it's proven, and it it is proven, mm. it, you know, that the uh, menopause is a massive effect on some women. And it's not about being boring. It's about giving it the respect it deserves. It's the fact that you've got puberty, you've got pregnancy. And we talk about those issues now and we consider them in the workplace. Because a lot, what a lot of women want is basically just to be acknowledged. You're at that age group. It's not a shameful thing if you're having a hot flush or anything like that. And a lot, I mean, I don't get ashamed of it. I get flustered. Cause I think, oh my god, I can't think again straight. But I don't get ashamed of it. But a lot of people do, you know, because it changes their 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 outlook on life and how they feel at the time. But for me, the brain fog was absolutely horrendous. And so I think going through my brain, it was, it was just a struggle. Total film was a struggle. It was like, why why can't I just make these snap decisions? And I've always been like that. Like be right, make the money up on that mm. that's done, that's finished. But everything was like being overanalyzed. Your your analogy of um the driving autopilot how the hell did I get here that that analogy is is brilliant it's brilliant and it resonates really strongly with me I'll be really interested people listening if you know send us a message or a comment if this analogy resonates with you because I think it's incredible um I don't know much about menopause uh I'm not there yet coming for me probably fairly soon um and but I do recognize that autopilot switch off and it does coincide for me in a in a hormonal way, um, and I I've always called it the custard brain. So all of a sudden it's like, and my husband says, "Oh, the death has occurred," <laughs> and I'm like, "What?" And he he can see it in my face. Oh, it's gone. like all of a sudden blank, <laughs> gone. It's over. Nothing's nothing's going on there. Um, and he can see it, and then it, he always says to me, oh, I've seen the, the death has happened. Go and have a cup of tea. I'm like, oh, okay, where's the bathroom? Where's the toilet? What? I mean, kitchen. Like, honestly, it's horrendous. And, and it is funny, and I've done some utterly ridiculous things and said things like, for God's sake, just put your shoes in the toilet. No, no, do not put your shoes in the toilet. Put your shoes on your feet and get in the car. That's what I mean. Um, so that that kind of thing and it happens in clusters is really funny in some ways but also when you're living it it's debilitating and it's and it's embarrassing and I was doing a podcast with a very senior figure in the industry the other day I just forgot English words they would not come to my brain how does that happen and why the the great thing is now there's so much research going on and I'm so sorry I haven't got this lady's name but I'll, I'll let you know after the show there's a doctor, I read it very recently, a report got released about two days ago, 
and uh, I want to say Dr. Moskin, but I know it's wrong. Um, she has discovered that there is so little research in women's health. This is the this is the conundrum. So when there's little research, it's not yeah. funded. So even to raise awareness or um, for just raise awareness even is not funded. So even just doing research is definitely not. So, but she has, I think she's got a PhD in genetics and what she's done, she's found out now that the, there, she's discovered and proven that there is changes in the menopausal brain and that actually what the menopausal brain does or the, a woman's brain does will actually change itself to evolve to live after the brain, uh, to live after that, that stage of their life. And she's proven all this. But I can't tell you more about it because I haven't read the report yet, but it does look really fascinating. And there's another theory, well, it's not a theory, it's been another study with uh, whales. Whales are the only other mammal that go through the change, that go through the menopause. And every other animal still can still give birth uh, right through their, their life, but whales are the only ones that can't. And it's almost that the whale has evolved because what they, that's what the, the study says, that the whale had evolved in order that the, um, the grandmother figure say, she would then look after the young to help the daughter out and then also would help with the foraging, um, teach them skills in life. And that, that's evolved, that's evolution. Whales have done that. Can you send me both of those links yeah, and I'll make yeah, sure they yeah, are included in yeah. the show notes because that's fascinating. Yeah, it is. Once you, I'm not, you know, I suppose one of the characters in the show is a doctor and um, after I do the, the, after the, do the character, I'm very quick to say, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> do you know? That's a yeah. that's a special guest, um, but it's you know when I went to when I went to um, the doctors finally about my menopause and my symptoms and God knows what they wanted to give me antidepressants and I thought no I don't feel depressed it's not depression because when I was younger I had really bad um, endometriosis so I had that like, grade three level of it so it was and they I had to go on hormone treatment then in my early twenties and it was you know I was very fortunate I avoided getting a hysterectomy etc. But the feeling I had then, that's what resonated. I remember feeling like that. So I knew it was my hormones that was doing it. Um, so I said no. And that, But then, how great, it's a massive part of the show now because that's really good uh, material that I've used <laughs> to highlight that area. Yeah. You know, going to see a GP. And GPs, only 41% of GPs are showing anything about the menopause um, in their studies. And that's, uh, there's a, I should have more names. I'll, I'll get all these names for you, Sarah, sorry. I'm terrible Yeah, please do. Yeah. Um, what what I find um, what I find quite interesting is menopause hormonal changes are scientifically testable. Yeah. Blood test or whatever for brain um, MRI scans, they you you can you can see a physical change. So I'm surprised that we haven't gone further down that road in terms of research and development because we have gone quite far down the road of, of, of other um, syndromes, uh, diseases, mental, physical, um, that actually you can't test for and get a, you know, a, a yes, no answer. Um, not to say that's wrong. I'm just saying you, it's... it's it's very tangible the changes that hormones make so I'm surprised there hasn't been more done on that front yeah yeah I think you'll find it's going to be now like I said earlier on because women are um it's going to sound really uh crass now to women what I'm trying to say is they've become Bring Dolly out they've become <laughs> no <laughs> they've become more useful 
in the work in, in capitalism, in a capitalist society. Okay. Yeah, because women now are become such a, at that age group, they become such a massive part of the workforce. Especially in the part, yeah. especially in the part time, which is testament to the changes yeah. that have been made over the last fifty years. But as with any change, there are consequences and understanding and learnings to happen, and and I think this is a really important one. Oh, definitely. I mean, Davina McCall did recently. She, I think, she's the last big, you know, big high um, top figure to do a show. She did a show about two weeks ago um, about it, and it was um, really interesting. But what could have been, what they could have done a bit more on the show, I think, is talk a bit more about, um, a lot of it was about HRT, but they could have spoken, and a lot of women are, you know, they don't, they don't want to go on HRT, and that's freedom of choice, of course it is, but they should have spoke more about other things that you can mm. do, and about educating yourself, because really, it's before, you know, the menopause is around 51, 52, for most people, there, there is an organisation called Daisy Network, and that is for young women, there's young women like 20s go through their menopause, and you know their ovaries stop, so it's like a, a physical thing that happens. So, go on. Can you tell me a bit about perimenopausal uh, time of life? Because I I don't know much about it. Um, I, I, there's some of me that wonders whether I'm entering that phase, uh, yeah. and I have had some uh, medical conversations around it. What what's perimenopausal? How do you know if if you're in that stage? What what can you do about it? I mean, really, I, I think from my own, obviously, like I said, I'm, I'm not um, trained or anything like that. But from a personal point of view, if you know you're coming towards that age and you're being told not just by your friend, but by a medical authority, your body's going to change. You sort of believe it a bit more and accept it a bit more. But with the perimenopause, there would be symptoms. Most of the symptoms actually come up before your menopause full on. So, for example, you could be lacking of sleep. Um, you could find things quite overwhelming at times. Uh, anxiety. Uh, panic attacks become um, a, a massive factor that I did for me. Um, the the brain fog where you just can't quite make those decisions easily, and it's like a um, it's very all very overwhelming. So, and these elements can go in and out. So if you imagine your your, your ovaries are starting to turn off, so they've been they've been really they've been using up a lot of eggs <laughs> throughout their life. So they're now starting to, you know, switch down and close down slowly. The, the, the normal thing to do is it closes down slowly, and your so your body's changing. You're going through this transition for about ten year, ten years before your fifty. And you start presumably to notice things like a change in your cycle patterns if you've always been previously yep. very regular. Yeah. And but then I personally, I was regular all the time, and then uh, just I had one irregular period, and that was it. Bang! I never saw another one. So wow. everyone, and that's 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 a big, that's really big factor is the fact that we're all individual, and yeah. everybody has a different menopause. You and I could have a complete different menopause to what somebody else could have. So mm. it's like, and that's what's hard to research as well is that the factors are people have different different bodies, different mindsets, and it's a different mm. way of responding to it. You say you're not um, trained uh, <laughs> or a doctor. Um, but I actually think you're, you are more qualified than most. You've <laughs> researched, written shows, played different personas, the doctor, the judge. You're performing in front of people about your experience and the education that you've um, sort of consumed, you know, what the books you've mm. read, the experiences you've had, the people you've spoken to about this particular um, aspect. So I actually think you're... you're very well qualified to have this conversation. Oh, thank uh, you. 
and I'm really grateful to have you here. Do you want to tell us a little bit about her and the change in me? And just for those people listening, 29th of July, 2021. If you listen to this past that time, then unlucky. But if you don't, then get tickets, uh, South End Pavilion. Do you want to tell us a bit about it? Yeah, so, um, yeah, this was really good, to show for me personally, because what I did, was I never performed as Debbie. And yet it was always... A, it was, it was always acting I wanted to do. So I'd, I'd done it, I'd tell, tell a lie, I had done a, um, a play about uh, two years before Dolly came out. I was in, a, was in an acting group after doing the acting lessons, you know. And um, so when I started writing it, I thought it had to have some, because I started working with Leicester University, which was, it's like all these cogs started fitting into each other. And I thought it needs a bit of authority uh, figures that w- I would go to or that would be in, in social you know, society that we respect. So the doctor was obviously one. So Dr. Mina Pause comes along and she's kind of like, um, she used to be an alter ego, but we, we decided, Chris and I, that the um, the alter ego-ness of Dolly would be far too great. There's no way she'd ever have anybody else in this like new gang. So she, these are special guests now on the menopause um, highway. So we've got Dr. Mina Pause. So we have her talking about... Um, what actually happens to the body, but in a funny kind of way. So what I noticed when I had the students and, and teaching was the fact that if we made it a laugh, it would sink in a bit more. So, mm. you know, the the object of the show is to a bit of light relief and to make people a bit more educated about it and raise awareness, really. Um, so what's your question? <laughs> I've gone off on one. What did you say just then? What did you say? Well, it was very broad. So I was asking you to tell me about oh, the show, show, of course, right? Which is exactly yeah. what you're doing. So then, um, then I brought in the judge, and the judge is like a cross between uh, who's the, that chef, Nigella, uh, Nigella Lawson, Nigella Lawson, yeah, Nigella Lawson, and Churchill. So she's very, oh yes, <laughs> because they sit together so well. <laughs> because she thinks, and a bit of me, obviously, and she thinks she's really sexy. The judge does, but it was so funny to her because I actually had to do jury service while I was writing it. And there was a judge, I won't say what court it was, but oh my God, she was fascinating to watch her voice. And she had such presence and she had this voice like, oh, hello. And it was it was just marvellous to watch it. So I thought, I've got to get this character in the show. And um, and then I do it, I do a bit. And I'd never done that before. I'd never actually done a stand up as me. So, and it was almost in a way, the show became um, Dolly come, well, Dolly is actually running the show in a, in a crazy kind of way. It's all very surreal. And, and I didn't realise till I've gone back to it again with Chris now. And I went, this is crazy. <laughs> you know, it is so surreal. that what we do is I position people that they're actually in the brain of a menopausal woman. So it's the inner workings of a menopausal woman. And I've got a big book, like a spell book. And it's kind of like I'm referring to this book. This is my life. And there's uh, the, all these characters popping up. And like these extracts of a, a diary that I read out and... Um, then we have the characters coming in as special guests and Dolly is narrating. So when there's a break, it's a, it's a dinner show. It's a bit like Vegas, but not, if you know what I mean. So you're there and it's kind of um, people will, I'm hoping, will be able to jump in at any point in the show. I think, yeah, I've got a bit of that. But I can honestly say what has driven me is there hasn't been a show yet where I haven't had somebody come up to me afterwards and say, I really thought I was the only one. And that was like, what? So even if it was one person gets a bit of benefit, I've got to that stage now. That's okay, you know. So um, yeah, it's really exciting. Yeah, that is incredible. I am so <laughs> excited about the twenty ninth. My only problem is, who am I going to bring with me? 
and there's so many options <laughs> and I keep thinking Ooh. um but it's gonna they'd be good they'd be yeah. good they'd be good yeah but you know it's um there was some people that went because uh, we've just got a pub haven't we so and we took the pub over and I've done a show in the we took the pub over in the June and I was doing a show in the following February and I was and I won't do Dolly here Dolly doesn't come to the pub or anything I've done a bit of filming here throughout lockdown but it was like um do I tell them do I tell them what I do a show? Because it, it sort of blurs the boundaries of what people go through. And they came and they really enjoyed it. So that I've got really cocky now. <laughs> so, well, you deserve to be. Like, you deserve to be. That is so cool. That is so awesome. So talk to me about where's next. Like, the menopause movement. What part are you going to play? And, and, and how, how are you going to take it global? Oh, do you know, I, I really don't know. I mean... It's kind of, I have been, I'm, I'm making sort of mini plans now. What is great as the show goes on is just raising the awareness for people so they can actually understand. And it, my main aim is for people that are either just before going, you know, like you said, the perimenopausal stage and assure them this is totally normal. You, you, you know, you're, you're not losing the plot or anything like that. It's your your body is, is doing these things on purpose. And then for people that are in it, and they don't, they can't see a way out of it. So I guess really it's raising awareness in, in the best way I can. And um, we were about online courses, weren't we, yesterday? And it was something I've sort of played around with, but I need to do it from a uh, an angle that is um, educational and funny and because um, I, I I'm not trained like I said, and I keep saying that, but I'm not. It's, the idea yeah. is just to raise awareness for people. I love. And it's taking around love... the world. <laughs> Well, yeah, just that's a throwaway comment if of there course. ever was one. Just, yeah, just shut, just shut that in. Just and then the world, world domination. World's getting smaller. <laughs> exactly, of course, you know. That um, was just, and that's, that's by breakfast. <laughs> I think you're amazing. So it is so awesome. You know when you, you don't, you know, be born and know what your life purpose is. Um, and some people never find it out and some people never have their kind of calling. But how um, fulfilling is it when yeah. all the very many aspects of your life have all focused in to, yeah, to be where you're at now? Yeah, it is really bizarre, actually, because everything that I do now, it all, although it can be really stressful at times and like um, 100 miles an hour, but what you just said there it is everything seems to have fitted like we have got our own pubs if I want to do filming I can do filming if I want to reach out to people now I can you know through the the pub or through my life the idea the plan is that I can let go of the pub a little bit more to my partner and team and then I can do more performing um and it was so bizarre I remember my little sister saying to me she said it must be so good for you Deb that you actually do something you really enjoy and you're really passionate about but I never see it like that because I used to find it a chore. And I thought, no, you don't know what it's like. I've got to go on stage and I've got to do this. And I don't know if people are going to find it funny. So I, I turned it into a job. And I didn't really um, in, I didn't really, really realise what I'd done. It was, it was a really good friend of mine, Susie Cornell. She said to me, Debbie, you've got to fall back in love with Dolly. You've got to fall back in love with Dolly and realise what you're doing. And that is just starting to happen. So I must admit, I'm really excited about the 29th. Um, it will feel like I'm jumping out of a plane. <laughs> without a doubt but the adrenaline kicks in and I always get a buzz about a week after and I think oh my god I did it it was good people enjoyed it and it was I got through that bit but when you're performing I mean it's like doing a presentation isn't it you think you just want to get through it sometimes but now that's stopped 
you know, that's fabulous. A, yeah, I remember. I'll tell you a quick funny story. I remember doing a gig at Brighton. This is quite a few years ago, about five years ago, and um, I was doing Dolly, and I got to the stage. Um, and I was on the stage and I, I had the mic in my hand. I looked at my hand and I thought, oh my God, my hand's shaking. And I thought, when did I shake on stage? But you know what it was? I'd never seen myself before. And then I looked around the room and I thought, I can see people. And I had this sudden, I'm not very self-aware, believe it or not. And I had this sudden self-awareness where I was, what I was doing. And it was like, oh, right. <laughs> that didn't happen before. Because the adrenaline would kick yeah. in, and you're just going like, blah, 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 and, you know, going off flying. But you do. You, do you every know what? time I do something. That, what you've just said there, I find really interesting. Self-awareness, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I think that happens to all of us in different circumstances. You're in, you're in the moment, the adrenaline's going, whether it's a presentation, a big client meeting, um, or even whether you're at a barbecue, you've had too many glasses of wine, and you're like in full flow about your amazing story. Um, and it's only if you were to have that moment of self-awareness there, you might realize your story's not that amazing and you should just pipe the hell down. Or, but, but I mean, sometimes that's like the, the negative alter ego coming in. And then, you, you know, if you have that self-awareness and it's a negative orientated self-awareness, your brain shuts down. And I'll tell you a, um, a, an interesting story I learned about myself. Um, and it's it's a learning curve this week. So I was in a, a meeting for my other business, um, and it was a meeting with some very senior individuals, panel of uh, in a in a big uh, company, and we were we were doing some training, and I said, and I'm killing myself for this. Can I just put my two pence in? Fine. And then I finished, and then I said, whether or not it's worth two pence, I don't really know. Oh, and God, that yeah. comment, as yeah. I said it, I thought, Jesus, why did you say that, Sarah? Yeah. Way to build your reputation. My colleague who was sitting opposite me turned around and went, uh, you know, <laughs> what? What was that? And then when I was talking uh, in a meeting with um, the, my co-host uh, this morning about something completely different, he said, can I just give you a bit of feedback? You did not need to do that. Um, and, and it... As, as soon as I'd done it, I had the moment of self-awareness about what I'd done mm. was wrong. I have no idea what I followed that with, whether it was valuable, uh, timely, relevant, even English, because there was so much of me going, oh, why did you do that? And, and sometimes that moment of self-awareness can be quite detrimental. Yeah, yeah. And it, it could, yeah, like you said, it's, it's whether you're worthy, isn't it? You, we're always questioning ourselves whether we're worthy to be at a certain place or be able to be part of that conversation i mean and that is one good thing when you think about uh, performing or menopause you do get to a certain stage and you think you know it doesn't really matter now if you don't want my opinion that's fine but you sort of disappoint yourself if you don't offer it and kick yourself if you don't you know put it put it in the you know put it in the ground what, what, what's the saying <laughs> you're doing it to me now <laughs> <laughs> my brain fog is I know, but the baby is you said another thing there, though, because I hope you know, because on the show, I talk about being at parties at the kitchen and uh, you, you're telling a fantastic story and everyone's like, they're all really keen, they're interesting. And you get to that punchline and it's like, bang, shut, everything kaput, it's gone, there's nothing. <laughs> and people start walking away from you and you're like, it was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I just forgot the words. Yeah. It was something yeah. about... You, you, um... you had to be there. <laughs> You had to be there as a standard response yeah. because I've just 
Yeah, not articulated it well because, like you say, something's just shut down. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, it's fabulous. You are fabulous. You're a fabulous inspiration oh. to all. And um, I do hope and know that people listening will have uh, get a lot of benefit. But also, please feel free to um, to drop me or Debbie a message if you are listening uh, and have two pence to put into this conversation. <laughs> I'm, 20, I'm 20 pence. <laughs> yeah. 20 pence to put in two damn pounds to put exactly. into this conversation have we got any offers <laughs> <laughs> oh debbie thank you so much no, for joining me you. on today's podcast i've loved chatting me too thank you very much mm-hmm.